Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Life Church, and welcome to another week in the series Wake Up the House. Today, we wake up to His covenant. And I want to start with a question. Do you really know your God? I want to encourage you to reevaluate your perspective, your concept of God. I want to challenge you to fully embrace all that He is. The Father behind the gospel, the fullness of His provision, that is not simply salvation alone, but that includes all of His attributes and purposes for us all. You see, today I'd like us to see how the Almighty, Omnipotent, Omniscient and Omnipresent God of all creation has elected to involve anybody and everybody who chooses to take Him at His word in His glorious purposes here, now, today, tomorrow and throughout eternity. Father God never intended for mankind to simply be a spectator, a puppet, or even a mere participant in His eternal purposes. The Father's purpose for every one of us has always been for you and I to be an extension of Himself. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And those two words in Hebrew are tselem and demuth. Tselem means to physically represent. Demuth, to function or act like. So that means we can read that verse this way. Let us make man to physically represent us, to function just like us, to act like us. See, that's God's heart from the beginning, was for man to represent him on earth, to function like him and on his behalf here on earth. That's why Jesus could say when he was asked, Jesus, please show us the Father. His reply was this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Because Jesus truly represented the Father physically here on earth. He truly functioned like the Father in His compassion and His love, in His power and authority. So Jesus patterned for you and I what God said all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. You see, each and every person ever born was designed, created to have divine destiny. Did you hear what I just said? You have a divine purpose. You have a unique destiny. You are ordained by God to represent Father God, to act as His partner here on earth. To accomplish this, He established your purpose even before you were born. Psalm 139 verse 13, David writes and he says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body 
and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Job said, You clothed me with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones and sinews together. Jeremiah writes that God said, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. See, God's got a plan and a purpose for every one of us that's unique to each and every one of us, but together knits the fabric of the purpose that he has for all time. All that stands between you and the divine destiny he created you for is your rebellious attitude and, and behavior. Yeah, I said it. Your rebellious attitude and behavior is what stands between you and the divine destiny he created you for. We all have that problem. We've all rebelled. We've all turned and gone our own way as the word of God tells us. And it's that sin of rebellion that carries the penalty of death. But Jesus made it possible for everyone to enjoy their destiny by paying the debt of our rebellion on the cross. He sacrificed his life. Jesus paid the penalty of death for rebellion. His death in our place removed the barrier between us and God the Father once and for all. But as they say in the game shows, there's more. Not only did his sacrifice pay the penalty and remove the barrier, he also set in motion the means by which we become eligible to partner with God. This is known as the new covenant. The means whereby you and I are recreated in his image, made to be just like Jesus here on earth, an extension of God. The covenant is what makes this possible. This is what makes it the plan of God real. The partnering with Father God, just as Jesus did. When we acknowledge, when we confess Jesus as our Savior, when we wholeheartedly embrace the purposes of God, we exchange our rebellious past life for His pure, sinless life. And we become partakers in the new covenant through his blood. This is the moment when a miraculous supernatural transformation takes place in us. And Paul summarized it this way. He said, we have become his poetry, a recreated people in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. We become his poetry, a recreated people in Christ Jesus that will fulfill the destiny he has given for each of us. We are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Notice what this says here in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, God planned in advance a destiny of good works. This wasn't God's second choice. 
This wasn't a backup plan. This was God's plan from the very beginning that we would have a destiny of good works, each and every one of us, by being recreated in Jesus. Your purpose as a new creation in Christ is to do good works. <clears throat> this isn't just for some people. This isn't just for people who are called to that. No, God's design, God's divine plan for all of us, His purpose is that we all do good works, that we all glorify God in all that we say and do. I feel like Nicodemus here. Say what? How is this possible? Well, it's only possible in and through Jesus because of the covenant he made for you and I. We know that we're not capable of doing this in and of ourselves. But your purpose, your destiny is defined in the terms of this blood, blood covenant. This new covenant is your legal entitlement, entitlement to all of God's authority, to all of his power and intimacy, God's guarantee of his faithfulness to you and I. The new covenant also defines our obligations. Yeah, there are obligations. You see, in a covenant, there are obligations by both parties. And the terms under which we can expect to enjoy all the privileges of God's presence and intimate involvement in and through us means we have to become an extension of him. We have to give ourselves over to him. Here's the summary. The covenant process involved the exchange of outer garments, which represented who I am. So Jesus took my flesh. He took my sin. He took my disease and sickness. He took all of my rebellion to the cross. And I get to take his vitality, his righteousness, his life. They would exchange belts. The belt is where you hang your sword, which is the symbol of your strength and your defense. My strength is weakness before God. So when I bring myself to God, Jesus becomes my strength and my defense, my power, my armor of God. They would make a sacrifice. They would kill animals and lay them bloody side up, and then they would walk between them. The sacrifice represents the death to self. In our case, Jesus is the sacrifice. He gave himself to be sacrificed by men so that we could take on the life that he was giving. They would then walk between those bloody pieces. And in doing so, they were saying, as this animal has died, I am dying to my life. I'm dying to my own selfish ambition. I'm going to live for you. Jesus did that literally. He died to himself. He gave his life for you and I. At baptism, I represent this by burying my old life and leaving it in the water. 
And then comes the central part of covenant, the cut. The parties would cut their wrist. They would mingle their blood, saying, my blood is mixing with your blood. Our lives are mixing one with the other. The source of life, our blood, has become one. It's common blood. We share life. Therefore, what happens to you happens to me. So I give my life for you. And they would exchange names. In our case, Jesus was known as the Son of Man. He took on the title of who we are, men, mankind, Son of Man. And we become known as sons of God. We get to be called what his title truly is, Son of God. They would then make sure that the wound from that incision was very, very obvious by rubbing in ash or clay to create a scar. Jesus carries in his body the nail holes in his hands and feet, the spear incision in his side. We get to carry the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the mark. The Holy Spirit is the seal of God that demonstrates that we are belonging to the Father, that we are sealed by God himself. He is the one that announces God's presence when we walk. The conditions that they would state of the covenant would cover the blessings and the debts that each one was taking on. Now, you and I have got nothing to give to God. So God is giving to us his blessings. He's taking our debt and he's giving us his blessing. You see, this is a one-sided covenant. God is effectively fulfilling all of the conditions of the covenant. This is known as a sunthiki as opposed to a diathiki. The sunthiki is the one-sided covenant where the wealthy person takes on all the obligations of the covenant and the second person gets to enjoy them all with some obligation. In this case, we get to enjoy all of God's blessings, his presence, his working through us, his provision, his health, his strength. And all that's required of us is our obedience. That's what God asks, is his obedience. He has given all to us. So when we share in communion, we are sharing in the memorial meal. The memorial meal was the summation of the entire covenant. Because in the memorial meal, you would take bread and feed the other person, saying, this is me, I'm putting me into you. We get to embrace all of Jesus. When we have communion, we are reminding ourselves that we are in covenant. And because we are in covenant, he is fulfilling all his obligations. That's why there's healing in communion. Because God says, this is my body broken for you. This is my obligation to you to bring health and strength and provision to you. His blood is reminding us that it is his life that sustains us. And like those words in Paul, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The memorial pillar that would be erected 
is for us today the cross. The cross stands forever as an eternal representation of God's covenant. This is the covenant we get to enjoy. This is the covenant that gives us rights and privileges, not only as citizens of God's domain, but also as sons of God. We carry his seal like the son of a rich man has the seal that he applies and says that, oh, dad will pay. Dad has paid. Dad continues to pay. It is the life of dad in you and in me that facilitates everything we do. The darkness of this world has no jurisdiction over the sons of God. We answer to God's kingdom. We answer to heaven's dominion. Jesus is our king. Live therefore like sons of God and do not be dominated. Do not be ruled. Don't conform to the darkness of this world. This is a choice that you and I have to make. Just like salvation is a choice and with it covenant. It's your choice. It's my choice. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. In the King James it says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. And that's what God is calling for you and I. To fix our eyes on Jesus. Because if we get distracted, if we look at the world around us, if we try to pattern our lives on the world around us, we end up in trouble. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we meditate on the word of God, when as he commanded Joshua, we take his word and we meditate on it and we keep it forever on our lips. Then we continually abide in his purposes for you and for I. That is what he's calling us to, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to set our sights on the realities of heaven and not on the corrupt world around us. All of God's assets are ours to use, so let's look at them and not what's around us. His love, His compassion, His grace, His forgiveness, it's all yours. His authority, His power, they are there to use to represent Him here on earth. His angels and His provision are ours to command because He said so. I'm not stretching the word of God here this morning. I'm telling you what the word of God says. It says in him we live and move and have our being. It is through him. It is in him that we live and function and have our identity. You see, without Jesus, we're no different from the world. But in Christ, we become sons of God. In Christ... We can walk in confidence. 
This directly affects how we live, how we love, how we interact, how we pray, how we worship, because this is our victory in Christ. He is our victory. In the words of Paul, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, that's what covenant says. Covenant, when I'm walking through those pieces of meat, says I'm dying to me, my selfish ambition, my selfish self-serving concept of life. But I'm living for Christ. I'm inextricably in it, intertwined with his life. And when I live, it's Christ who lives in me. That's what God is calling you and I to. That is how I bury my old self, my self-centered, self-serving life. When I get baptized, I'm laying that old life down. And the source of life that sustains me is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He is the one who leads me to actively apply, to act on, and obediently execute the word of God in all that I say and do. That's God's heart for you and I, that we would obediently execute the word of God in all that we say and do. Notice we use the word execute the word of God because it requires action. This isn't just believing. This isn't just agreeing with God's word. This is agreeing by doing God's word. This blood covenant that Jesus cut for you and I on your behalf and mine is God's covenant provision. This is how we can confidently engage in all circumstances with the full assurance that not only is he present, but he is actively working in and through us to accomplish his good purpose. So we can live in fellowship with Father God, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, free from the rule of sin and death. We can boldly proclaim salvation, healing and deliverance with the assurance that his word does not return void. We can pray with authority from the throne room of heaven because we are seated in Christ in the heavenlies, as it tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. But over and above all of that, this covenant calls us to faith, to boldly and obediently act on his word. You see, as Andreas has been reminding us over the past six weeks, faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. Sounds like a bit of a mouthful. What this is saying is that faith is risk. There's no evidence of what things are going to be other than the action we are taking. The action we are taking is the evidence. Faith is obeying regardless of what we think the consequences are going to be.
It's obeying because God said so. So let us agree with God. Let us remind him of his word, his faithfulness, his promises, his grace, his covenant. Remind God? Yes, that's what he tells us to do. In Isaiah, he writes, I, says God, have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace day or night. Who, You who are his servants and by your prayers put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Keep not silent. You see, God says, I have taken certain people. I've taken those people and I've put them in a place of prayer to continually remind me of my covenant with you, of my promises to you. And they will not keep silent. They will continually pray that. That's what God wants from you. He wants you to remind him of his, of his promise, to remind him of his covenant. And one of the best ways we can do that is by acting out his word. Because when we are obedient to his word, we are reminding him that he promised to meet us where the covenant states. Elsewhere in Isaiah, he says, Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. You see, God is not afraid of debate. God is not afraid of being challenged. He's more than happy to defend the truth. He doesn't shut down debate. God says, remind me. Come, speak to me. Tell me what the problem is, that I can do something about it. As you can see, this is not automatic. A covenant lifestyle cannot be lived on autopilot by simply expecting God to take care of everything in the background. Covenant requires participation. Covenant is active. We serve an active God. God is always speaking. Therefore, God is always creating. God is always doing. Life is about doing, not sitting watching it go by. God wants you to be involved in everything that he's doing. And covenant obligations are just that. They're obligations. Because you see, if the obligations are not met, there cannot be any expectation of reciprocation. God wants you to enjoy the covenant. But if you and I do not fulfill the obligations of the covenant, which are simple, obedience, that's it. There's nothing more to it. It's simple obedience. Obey the word of God. Do what the word of God says and you will enjoy the covenant. The conditions of this covenant are clear. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. In other words, he's saying, I'm not looking for lip service. I'm looking for action. Jesus also said, as he was quoting the first commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. With all your heart, with all the 
and everything you desire with all your soul, with everything, your emotions, your will, your purpose, and with all your mind. Fill your thoughts and mind with the Word of God. Fill your thoughts and mind with what God says. He has to be first in everything. His plans, His purposes, His love, His thoughts, His desires have to eclipse everything that is self-serving everything that I do purely for my own benefit. Because I gave him my life. That's the covenant. He gave his life for me. I give him my life. And as Paul said, the life that I now live, I live in and through him. You see, his plans and purposes for you and I are far more, far greater, far better than anything we could have for ourselves. As Jesus said, Without this covenant, I'm no different to anybody in the world. Without my conformity, without me complying to this covenant, I'm also no different to anyone in the world. Because then I am in rebellion. And rebellion is what separates man from God. God wants you intimate with Him. He wants you part of His covenant, enjoying everything the covenant has. Covenant is obediently responding to the word, the rhema I see, the rhema I hear, the word of God that I read. You see, this reminds me that faith is the result of obedience. It's not the precondition for obedience. Faith comes by hearing and obeying, as Pastor Bish reminded us last week. Faith comes as a result of obedience. We don't get faith and then obey. We obey and as a result we get faith. No action, no covenant. So today, I implore you, don't ignore the Word of God. Don't reject his tug on your heart right now. Agree with God today. Turn from the rebellious lifestyle that you've lived and embrace his covenant fully. Live out his truth through your faithful obedience to his word. That's God's heart for you and for me. That is my challenge to you this morning. God's love sets us free when we apply the Word of God. Not when we simply read it, not when we simply listen to it, not when we simply hear it preached and say, oh, that was a good message. No, it's when we put His Word into action. That's when we see results. God is a God of action. And His action was to send Jesus for you and for me. Let us pray together. Father God, I want to thank you. And I want to bless you for every person that has heard this, these words. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will burn them into their hearts. Burn them into their minds, Father God. That they cannot escape from your pull, your draw, your truth. So that you can bring change in their lives. That they will yield to you. That they will fully embrace this covenant 
that you've made for them so that they may have life and have it more abundantly so that where they go, the Holy Spirit may announce your presence so that men, women and children would be set free, saved, healed and delivered to your praise and to your glory. Amen. Have an awesome day. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.